To me, being flamed on looks like something, and I want you to be flamed on. Do you know that in Revelation, it says that when Jesus comes, he has fire in his eyes. Why would Jesus have fire in his eyes? Because he's been beholding the Lord. He is the Lord, but he's also come from his presence beholding the Lord, the Father. And then he has fire for you. So he has a burning passion to rescue you, to love you, to care for you, and to be close to you. He's full of fire. He's full of life, and he has fire in his eyes. To me, being flamed on is having fire in your eyes. To me, being flamed on is I have been beholding the Lord. I've been spending time with him. I'm intimate with him. And because of that, I have a burning passion for you. I have a burning passion to rescue you. One of the number one ways that I believe people uh, are identified with not being flamed on, and this is more so for our church congregation than it is for those of you that might be visiting or watching for the first time, but it's still relevant, is number one, you never preach the gospel and you don't reproduce. You don't tell people about Jesus. You don't fulfill the great commission in your life. Why? Well, there's can be a whole bunch of reasons. We're consumed with ourselves. We feel like we're not relevant or significant. We feel like we could be offensive. And the newsflash is you're gonna be offensive to somebody. But because you have a burning passion to rescue people, which ultimately comes from being with him and what he's done in your own life, you can't help but reproduce. And so if you never share your faith, if you never talk about what God's doing in your life, you never testify, there's always something else that's going on. <clears throat> Shame, sinful, destructive lifestyles, fear, you're not flamed on. So don't get offended at me because I love you. I love you enough to have this straightforward conversation. I want you flamed on. Now I determined a long time ago if I make you really mad and you never come back, which I hope doesn't happen, I'll be okay. I don't want you to not come back. But at the end of the day, I have to do what the Lord tells me to do. I'm thankful that you keep coming back. I would rather you keep coming no matter how many times you bomb it and fail it. But I'm still going to work hard to kick your crack. And as long as you keep coming back, I'll keep kicking your crack. And in turn, you will flame on at some point. I love you enough to have these straightforward conversations. So if you never share the gospel and you don't worship, that's a clear identifier where you're at spiritually to me. Now, I'm not trying to beat you up. I care about you. I'm going to raise the bar higher so you can come up. Okay? And if you don't get it for another year from now, two years, five years, ten years, guess what? I'm going to keep raising the bar and I'm going to keep loving you, won't I? No matter how long it takes you. Some of us are more stubborn than others. You know who you are. Some of us take a little bit longer than others. Am I right? So I'm going to tell you right now, never stop giving up. We need to have reality-based, straightforward conversations. This isn't kumbaya church, nice Sunday morning. Life is not a dress rehearsal. Eternity starts now. And the enemy's working on overtime to steal your kids, to steal your life, to steal your faith. He's always filing a lawsuit against you. He's always taking legal action. There's a legal action against you right now. How, how violated do you feel if you accidentally rear-end somebody, like barely rear-end them, and the person in the car acts like you just crushed their life, and then they call an attorney, and they're going to sue. And you're like, I barely hit you. In fact, when I walked up, you were talking normal like everything was okay, and then five minutes later, you're calling 911. That's how the enemy is with your life. He's always violating, always assaulting, always an adversary, always aggressive, and always coming against you. In fact, the very word adversary in the Greek means to file a lawsuit and take legal action against your life. That's what it means. 
I want you flamed on. You can't hype it. You can't fake it. You can't go through the motions. I don't want you to fake it till you make it. What I want you to do is really recognize and realize that God has done so much for your life and he loves you and he cares for you and he's forgiven you. We can only be flamed on because of the cross. We can only be flamed on because we bow low. And how we worship is a clear identifier of where we're at spiritually. And I want to make sure you all understand something. I worship passionately not because I have it all together. That's the deceptive lie. Well, pastor, I'm just, I'm not where you're at. You don't know what I want to call on that. Because I fight the same fight that you fight. But I learned a long time ago that God is good and he loves me and he cares for me. And I learned a long time ago what it means to cast my care. What you're really seeing, what worship really is, is I'm casting it upon him because it's about him. So he says, give me everything you got. Get, make it raw. Make it real. Make it authentic. Yeah. Right. But when we come into his presence and we pull back, we're literally saying, God, I don't trust you. You're not good. Or you don't care about me. We're allowing shame, our failures, and our inadequacies to hold us back. And I learned a long time ago, I'm not defined by my past. And I think I bombed it as much as all y'all. Maybe some of you guys did some worse things than me, but maybe I did worse things that, than you. Like selling acid to teenagers. That's pretty bad. That's really bad. Sleeping around and not caring about other people's lives and destroying other people's lives because it was about, that's bad. So I don't know how much we want to compete in bad. But Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. In fact, if you think you're bad, or I thought I was bad, let's compare it to the Apostle Paul, who was a murderer of Christians and drug him off to prison. He was the worst of the worst and wrote 13 books of the Bible. God takes bad. God fixes bad. And you ain't bad enough for God not to love you enough. And you think you're so bad that you can't worship and give it all to him? And I don't, whatever your worship looks like, all I want you to do is worship. I want you to be flamed on because when you're flamed on, you can't help but reproduce. You can't help but have fire in your eyes. You can't help but see people the way God's. See, the fire in his eyes is the fact that he sees you the way you really are designed to be. Not based on your failures or your mistakes. I'm burning with fire for your life. Can't you see? But we have to bow low. We have to humble ourselves. In fact, let's start with the first passage of Scripture today. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter 5, 6. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. God wants to exalt you. The problem is, is our view and understanding of exaltation is like the world's or different than the way God sees it. We see exalting as Fame, popularity, notoriety, more Instagram followers, or being seemingly important. I'm an important person. We see exalting as more stuff, better jobs. The, the world's view of being exalted is different than God's view of being exalted. Okay? God's view of being exalted is to make of noble first, to make you of noble character. You got to have character. You have to have self-discipline. You have to be able to fight the fight when no one's watching. He's always watching. But when you are alone or at night and the midnight hour comes and the devil comes knocking on your door and you think you're alone and nobody understands 
and you're having problems with your spouse or your friends and nobody's calling you and we fall into pity party victim mentalities, the devil comes at the most opportune time. He says, you know what? This needs to be about you. Let's click around. Let's drink around. Let's talk around. Let's run around. Let's do anything that's contrary to his design because you're alone and he doesn't care, which is a lie. But you have to understand God has a plan to exalt you, but you have to humble yourself. Humble yourself. If you'll bow low in God's awesome presence, he'll exalt you. So what does it mean to humble yourself? The New King James says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God's power. You have to understand that God is at hand. Everybody say, he's at hand. He's not far away. But you got to learn he's at hand when you're not here. It's easy to know he's at hand in the presence. There's wind. Worship, we're together, I'm preaching on fire, I'm looking you right in the eyes, I'm making it personal. I spent hours with the Lord before I came in here so that it could be relevant to all of us because I'm not just preaching to me. I have to fight the same fight you fight every day. Not any, I'm not more anointed, more special, more exalted. I paid a price in the private place and therefore God's the one that gives honor and dignity and respect and power. But I've had to learn to bow low I've had to learn to take the low road. You have to decrease so that he can increase. Yeah. Say it, I have to decrease. But that's everything contrary to the world. Yeah. If you look up right now on your smartphones the word humility, let me tell you what it says. Humility says to have a modest or low view of your own importance. It's the exact opposite of pride. Pride is to have an excessive view of how important you really are, excessive you or opinion of how important you really are. But humility says, I'm actually not that important. It doesn't mean I'm not significant. It doesn't mean I'm not important in God's eyes or to God. But humility says in the grand scheme of things, I have to become the least because in the kingdom, guess who's the greatest? If the least is the greatest, the last is the first. In God's eyes, he says, if you want to be exalted or lifted up, you have to first do it the way Jesus did it. How was Jesus exalted? In fact, Jesus said this. He said, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. What was the first way Jesus was lifted up? Raised up on a cross. Nobody bypasses this process. What's the second way that Jesus was exalted or lifted up? He came out of the grave. He was raised up. What's the third way Jesus was exalted? He ascended. And then he says, where I go, you'll go. But when I'm exalted or when I'm lifted up, I'll draw you to me. But everybody has to go through this process. It's called bowing low. Everybody, let's say this together. Say, I have to bow low. Bow low is not just kneeling down in worship, though that's part of it. It's reverence, it's awe, it's respect, it's paying homage to the king. But it's in the way that I live my life, which is everything contrary to the way the world tells you to live your life. The world tells you to work harder, get a good job, have a good career, provide for your family, work, 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 work. Make your message known, make your voice heard, get, make yourself popular, more followers, more significance, whatever it is. And what I want to say to you is God is the one that exalts you. Nobody gets to bypass this process. And if they do, they combust. How many celebrity Christians have we seen combust? How many pastors have combusted? <clears throat> and I don't want to combust. How about you? I don't want you to combust. 
but the devil wants you to combust. So, of course, we're important to God. It has nothing to do with confidence. But see, I was raised to be arrogant and prideful and competitive and to be successful and, and to always achieve and succeed in everything that I do. But I learned through the hard way over many, many, many years that God's view of success and achievement is much different than ours. So he says, bow low and God's awesome presence are under his mighty hand. Don't be prideful. We don't have an excessively high opinion of yourself. It doesn't mean I'm not confident. Okay? God does want to exalt you. It means that he wants you to climb the summit of opulence. You know what it means to be opulent? Anybody? Opulent. The word opulent means to succeed in wealth and prosperity or to excel in wealth and prosperity. But do you know God's definition of wealth is much different than our definition of wealth? We define wealth based on money, possessions, things, and stuff. Notoriety. Or even just working hard to provide for your family. But God defines wealth of having all the riches and abundance of his nature and character inside of you. God defines wealth of being literally rich and possessing who he is inside of you, which makes you noble in character. And it causes you to be healthy and strong and reproduce with confidence everywhere that you go. And I don't even have to try because it becomes you. You're not trying to become something. You're literally bowing low so that God can do what? Exalt you. And God wants to exalt you. Jesus was exalted. You're a son and a daughter. He wants to exalt you. Jesus was exalted how? Philippians 2, it says, he humbled himself and became a servant to all and made himself of no reputation. Philippians, first few verses of chapter 2. And what? Therefore, God highly exalted him. So I want you all to be exalted. I want Rock City to be exalted. But the way that I want us to be exalted is different than the way that the world will try to exalt us, okay? To be exalted also means to be held in high regard, especially in rank, position, and power. So when you get born again, you are instantly put into a new position. You're a son. You're a son. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're a head, not a tail. Now, God puts you in a higher rank, position, with authority and power over who? First, the devil. Then who? Or what? The circumstances of this life. God gives you honor, dignity. Would you rather have the honor, dignity, and respect from man or from God? You got to know who you are. You're going to make some people mad. You're going to offend some people. Not everybody's going to like you. The more aggressive and flamed on you get, mark my words. The people that you thought really loved you and wanted to stay around you may not. Those old friends you used to have and run with, where are they now? Just get flamed on for Jesus. And then start talking to them about Jesus. And if they're not ready and they don't understand, they're going to walk away from you. The next thing is, you have to leave the timing in his hands. The New King James says, in due time. Do you know what due time means? Due time is the word kairos in Greek. It means a specifically appointed time or the right most opportunistic time. See, the devil knows that too. In fact, when the devil tempted Jesus in the desert three times, 
Eventually, he left. And what did he say? He'd come back until a Kairos time. And when is that time more often than not? Something didn't go right at your job. You didn't get that raise. That best friend left you. That girlfriend cheated on you. She stabbed you in the back. All your friends left you. You feel alone. Nobody's around. You didn't get that promotion. The job's not coming through. You're battling sickness in your body, and God didn't answer your, didn't come heal you in the time that you thought. You did all the right motions. I mean, shoot, I've been praying night and day for 90 days, and God didn't answer my prayer. God doesn't say, I'll give you a 90-day money-back guarantee. You know that, right? It's not like, oh, man, I've been doing everything right, and God just hasn't done his part. The Bible promises that he will do it in his time, not your time. But what happens when it doesn't happen in your time? Woo! And it's hard. I get it when you don't feel good and circumstances don't seem to go your way. But you have to have an eternal perspective. It's eternity now. We're not living for the moment. We're living for the king and the kingdom. You got to have an eternal perspective. And you have to understand, even if the outward man perishes, which it is, all of us are dying right now. In the natural. We're all slow. You live and you move towards the end of your life at some point. And so, what significantly matters the most now? What matters the most now is that we're putting our complete trust in the Lord so he can do whatever he wants to do in his time, not your time. In due time. Everybody say, in due time. To leave the timing in your hands. I wrote it this way. Do your part and he'll do his part. What's your part? You've got to bow low in his presence. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But you literally come humbly before the king and trust him all the days of his life in every decision you make, not just in church, but when you're home making beds, washing dishes, taking care of the kids, homeschooling, going to school, whatever it is that you're doing, your whole life becomes a complete sacrifice to God everywhere all the time, not just week to week when we get our fixes at church. I love you. I care about you. Keep coming. But my greatest desire is to flame you on at home and then in your workplace and then on the streets and everywhere you go. You just become a raging bonfire for Jesus. And when you burn bright, trust me, it's contagious. Verse 7, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. We're going to talk about leaving them there. Because some of y'all are really good leaving them here at the altar or crying out to Jesus. And the next day you picked it right back up. For he always tenderly cares for you. So the first thing is pour out. The, the new King James says cast. And if you're a fisherman and you use a cast net, you understand you have to grab that cast net just right with both hands, bunch it up so that when you throw it or cast it, it spins out into a circle to catch the fish just right. It's literally like throwing a cast net. God says, take all your cares, all yours, bow low and cast all those cares at my feet, at my altar, in your closet. You have to cast all your cares. Let's say this together. All my worries, all my fears, all my anxiety, all my doubts, all my struggles, all the lies, all the stress, all the hopelessness, all the uncertainty, all your questions. Don't you know the devil always puts a question mark where God puts a period? He always wants you to get to doubt and believe God doesn't care. It's the number one assault from the garden to today. 
God doesn't really care. Where's he at now? You've been crying out. You've been praying, battling this sickness thing and you're, or this promise you've been believing for and you haven't gotten it. It may have been 90 days or a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years. I don't know, but God's timing's always perfect and he always cares for you. But at some point, you have to move past the head knowledge and get the heart knowledge. And then you have to leave them there. Leave them behind. Stop picking them back up. Leave him at his feet, at the altar, at the cross, under the water. When you got baptized, it says when you came out of the water, if you've been baptized, you should be walking in the newness of life. Baptism is a picture of death and resurrection. It's your own funeral. So if you got baptized, all of that stuff from your past should be buried under the water. It doesn't mean we don't have new cares. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And trust me, trouble comes on all sides. But take heart. Because he's overcome the world. And greater see that is in you than he that's in the world. Not just the devil, but your own self. Leave them behind. At the end of this message, we're going to do that second song again. We're going to worship. And I want you to think while I'm preaching today, what do you want to leave here? I've left more stuff at the altars. I take it like all my baggage, all my stuff, and I take it all. And I, let's say this is all my stuff, and I stuff it in this box. And then when I come to the altar, I'm going to leave it right there. And when I walk out of this place, I'm not picking it up because it was covered under the blood. So some of us are living based on your failures and your mistakes and your shame and your inadequacies. And I'm going to say it like I've said it before. Even if you bombed it last week and you know better and you bomb it again, here's what I know after 28 years of walking with the Lord. Never give up. Keep running to Jesus. He's always there. He's not forsaking you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And at some point, you get tired of eating pig slop and tired of going back to the pig trough. And you say, I don't want to eat, eat my vomit anymore. I'm tired. It never satisfies. Nothing that the world offers satisfies. You got to remember the benefits of the Lord. Praise the Lord and forget Psalm 103 and forget not. Why does it say that? Because we have a tendency to forget, don't we? That's why you got to read your Bible. I'm talking like all the time. In between meetings, at lunch hours, before bed, in the morning, I'm meditating on the word. I'm listening to worship. I'm listening to IHOP all the time. I'm interceding when they're interceding. I'm worshiping. I'm praying. I'm listening to different things, worship music. I'm not stuck on a bunch of podcasts and YouTubes and everybody else's book. This is just the season I'm in. I'm not knocking books. I think books are great. I think we should read books. But if you're not getting enough Bible and you're living on everybody else's word and revelation knowledge, where are you going to get it for yourself? Everybody say this with me. Say, he cares for me. But the truth is, is we often don't believe it in our darkest, hardest hour. So just admit it. I don't know that the Lord really cares for me, but I want to know. And you say, God, I really want to know. So I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to be pompous and arrogant. And you don't come to the Lord with pomp, being pompous and arrogant and prideful. In fact, in the Old Testament, you couldn't even make it past the outer court until you went to the brazen altar. Today, there's a brazen altar. You know what it's called? The cross. It means die. It means Jesus gave his life for you. It means he loves you when you couldn't do anything on your own. He always gave himself for you. I can't even die in my own strength. I can't make myself die. 
You can't overcome sin and temptation and all the lies on your own. I need his mercy and his grace and his help. That's why in temptation, I cry out to the Lord. That's why we have the Lord's prayer. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Actually, the better way to say it is, Lord, lead me away from temptation. Because temptation is going to come. And every one of us has to learn to be self-disciplined. I'm not any different than you. Let's have marriage struggles. My wife's totally opposite to me. We're both a lion and a lioness. And trust me, the lioness always wins. And I don't get the freedom to manifest in my, and then check out because she, what, she wasn't feeling good or we're not getting along and go do my own thing. That's called, you got to be self-disciplined and say, you know what? I'm running to the king, not to the screen. You don't get to check out. And what I mean by that is, like, I like to watch a really good movie, just so that you know, by the way. But I don't like watching movies that are full of illicit things that are what Jesus died for because it convicts me in my spirit. Okay? And I got to be real careful of what I watch, especially what I let my kids' little eyes see. Okay? But I enjoy a good movie. I, there's times that, man, I need to take a moment and just enjoy a good movie. Right? And I love it when I, or even a good book, right? Even a good fictional book, whatever it is. But the point I'm trying to make is that I never get to check out from him. It's always, all the time, everywhere. And please, I'm beseeching, I'm begging you, live that way. Don't, you cannot afford to be lukewarm in this hour. You can't. Be, be more aggressive. Be more spiritual. Who cares what anybody else says? Somebody's not going to like you. Love your wife more. Love your husband more. Love your kids more. Love Jesus more. We are under a full-time assault here. But the devil's already been defeated. So I'm rested. I'm going to show you something really important here. We can't just have a head knowledge of how much God cares for us. Nor can we have a crazy skewed view that if I measure up or based on my merit, God cares for me. That's the last thing I want you to get from this message. What I'm teaching you is myself. In time, this time, God will exalt me. And it wasn't because I was good enough, rough enough. He gave me two signs, and then he said, I want you to open to Deuteronomy 9. And in Deuteronomy 9, it says, the Lord, took, uh, the Lord says to Moses, who then in turn says to the children of Israel, behold, I'm about to take you over the Jordan River, and you're about to step into Canaan, into a land that has cities built to the sky and people way bigger and way mightier than you. But I want you to know I'm going to go before you as a consuming fire. Oh, and just in case you forget, it's not based on your righteousness. Go read it. Your righteousness get to get credit for it. Okay? We still have to live righteous, but that's because of the cross. He makes you righteous. This isn't behavior modification. Otherwise, you got more religion. Who wants more religion? Anybody? Who wants to feel like you have to measure up and therefore God won't like you? 
something powerful about humility. It's the opposite of pride. I am nothing without him. You're not that bad. And what makes me confident and bold is who I am in Christ and what Jesus did on the cross. And I already know exaltation is a part of his plan. In fact, I'm being exalted right now in a night. I'm saying city there, you would not be here. You wouldn't be hearing my voice. If 28 years ago and the journey to this point, I didn't consistently remain bowing low. And it doesn't mean I was perfect. I made a lot of mistakes, but I stayed bowed low. Stay bowed low. It's inevitable. Not only does God give you position and rank now, but God wants to expand your influence. How? By raising up sons and daughters or pulling women out of destructive lifestyles or rescuing men. The fact the list goes on and on and on and on. Load up, load upon him your every anxiety. For he is always watching over you with tender care. God is always watching, seeing, seeking, and searching. Let me tell you a story. In 2 Chronicles 16, there was a king by the name of Asa. Asa did some incredible things for the Lord in the beginning of his kingship. But he got really sidetracked. And so when he was in the day of battle, he made a decision to give the gold and the articles of, the, of God's house to the enemy in hopes that the enemy, the Syrians, would protect him. And then this is what the prophet came and said. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. But in this, you have done and acted foolishly. You know, the new city, Jerusalem, and even the Jerusalem today means the city of peace, Jerusalem. What is Jesus called? The prince of? So now it doesn't matter how much the enemy comes and attacks. You've learned to stay in a position and posture of peace. And instead of living in constant turmoil and war and depression and anxiety and fear, Ever met Christians like that? It's like, man, I'm a Christian. And I really love Jesus, but my life sucks. That's terrible. I'm not talking about not going through hardship and suffering. But I'm saying, look, you're a son and daughter. He doesn't come and go. He's not schizophrenic. It's not, I was here, I was gone, I was here, I was gone. I, no, in fact, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Those are words you can stand on, period. And so the eyes of the Lord are always searching, always seeking. And what does he want to do? He wants to show himself strong and in power. But he's looking for loyal hearts. Let's say this together. God, give me a loyal heart. No more, no more paying the enemy and coming into agreement with the enemy. And here's the good news. Is it is, and I've taught you this before. Even if you sell yourself and he bought me back again and again and again and again. Woo, Lord, I love you. You are so good. Man. Isaiah, or Psalm 55, 22. 
Here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord and measureless grace will strengthen you. Isn't that so good? Man, mm. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly. You know what incessantly means? Never stopping, never ceasing. Full time, all the time. He's roaming around and what does he wanna do? He wants to devour you. And it literally says like a roaring lion devouring its prey. And so God says, I want you to be sober-minded, self-controlled, and always alert. Why? So that you won't get sidetracked or afraid or give up or come into agreement with the enemy. I wrote it, I wrote it this way. Be calm and pray on. Let's say be calm. So to be sober-minded, what does that mean? I'll teach you another thing today. It means to be dispassionate. Now, in the natural, you hear that word, you say, man, dispassionate is the opposite of being passionate. Somewhat. But I'm very passionate, right? I'm very passionate about the Lord. I have passion for him, passion for people. I live a passionate life. But if you actually look I'm not influenced by strong emotions, and therefore, I am able to make rational and, imp and impartial decisions. You can't trust your emotions and your feelings. That's why we walk by faith and not by any of our senses. It says sight, but you might as well throw in smell, touch, all, all the things that we feel. And I get it. We, that's why we have grace. We have compassion. In fact, the Bible literally says that we are to comfort those who are hurting. I'm not talking about not being comforted. But what I am saying is there comes a point where you have to learn to be stable, steady, and consistent no matter what you're going through. And we stop spinning out like tops. So to be impassioned is now I'm so emotional. My, I, my feelings are all over the place. And some of you know what I'm talking about. My feelings are all over the place that I don't make rational decisions. And I'm partial. That's impassionate. And God says, don't be impassionate. You know another thing this word means? It means to be circumspect. Walks. Ephesians 5 even talks about resisting the devil and walk, walking circumspectly. If you look up the Greek word for circumspect, you know what the word is? It's the word akribos. And you know what that word means in English? An acrobat. God says, live your life like an acrobat. Walking the tightrope at any moment, you better keep your eyes on the way and on the prize because if you lose your balance, you're going to get hurt or you're going to die. He says, you better walk circumspectly. There's a roaring lion. He hates you. Now he's already been defeated. So I don't have to live in constant war, but there's still a battle. Okay? So it also says, it says your enemy, which is the word adversary. Everybody say adversary. There's an adversary, an enemy, his name's called the devil. He hates you. He wants to devour you. He's constantly on the move. He's incessant, and he looks and sounds like a raging lion. But guess what? He's a little kitty cat. But to some of us, we see him as a raging lion because we don't understand the cross and who Jesus is. He's the real lion of the truth, right? And we were grasshoppers in our own eyes and theirs. Do you see yourself as a grasshopper? Or do you see yourself as a mighty son full of honor, power? The devil's always lying. He's always roaring around 
as a lion, but he's a defeated lion. So if we don't stay alert, sober-minded, and self-controlled, we won't know or be aware of what he's doing. He's an adversary. Now, I told you earlier, I'm going to tell you again, the word adversary is a legal term. This is a lawsuit where you constantly have to defend yourself. That's what that term is. Okay? He's the prosecuting, or better way I like to say it, the persecuting attorney. And he's always filing a lawsuit on you. Oh, you're going to go to Rock City? Lawsuit. You're going to raise your hands in worship? Lawsuit. You're going to engage with God in prayer? Lawsuit. You have to understand he's taking legal action against your life. He's an adversary. But you know what God says about the adversary? I got you a great answer for you. And Jesus tells the parable. And he starts out by saying, and he told this parable, say, judge and she keeps coming to the unjust judge finally the unjust judge who doesn't even care about god grants her the desire of her heart and issues a decree against the adversary and god says how much more will i as a loving father avenge better than the avengers who's he avenging your adversary who's filed a lawsuit in fact the bible even says jesus is a mediator He's your one fighting on your behalf against the lies of the enemy. And then the parable goes on to say, how much more will God not avenge those who cry out to him how often? Wait, how often? You guys are going to get this. Not everybody will live to this level of intensity. But I want to ask you to join together with me. Because I'm going to show you something here really good in a moment. There's believers all over the world having to fight the same fight, and you need to know that you're not alone. Because when you get a victory behind closed doors tonight, guess who gets the victory? If I get a victory tonight, guess who gets the victory? You're never alone. We all have to overcome behind closed doors. And you know what we should be doing in closed doors? Worshiping. Time in the Word. Yeah, time with your kids, time with your family, even a good movie or a good book, even with commercials. Because I know my past, and I don't want to get tripped up by the enemy. Let me read this to you. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. The implication in the context is that if you do not bring your worries and cares to God, listen closely. If you do not bring your worries and cares to God, here's the, the, the context. The devil will use depression and discouragement to devour you. It goes hand in hand. It's not just resist the devil and the devil's running around. The whole context of the scripture is, if you don't humble yourself and give it all to him, you will find yourself a enemy. You're a the devil as a lion with fangy teeth, but you do constantly see worry, doubt, depression, fear, anxiety, victim mentality, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, me, 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 me. I need my time now. I've given to everybody else and worked 65 hours a week. Everybody's pulling on me. Everybody wants me. My wife doesn't feel good or it's that time of the month or whatever it is, and I didn't get my needs met. Now it's about me, and I'm going to get my thing. Lie. Now you 
singles are immune to the marriage thing for right now. And I'm going to tell you, use your singleness to serve the Lord. Because when you get married, it'll be about serving your family. Just as lions go after the feeble, the young, the enemy of our souls always seeks out. Here's the ones that fall behind. You ready? The enemy of our souls always seek out those who are isolated, alone, or depressed. It's the Kairos time. I'm going to get you when you're down. I'll just wait. It's just a matter of time. Woo! That's why I sow to the Spirit, so you can reap from the Spirit. That's why we bow low, so you're not unaware. That's why we stay sober-minded. Never drunk. Never high. Never sidetracked. And if you do, get back to the cross. Cry out for forgiveness. Look, you think in 28 years I haven't bombed it and blown it? Don't think that I got saved. And I, you're hearing 28 years later right now. You're hearing lots of like I'm owning this message. I know it because I have lived it. And now I can come to our children. And I, you can come to your teenagers, the young adults, your future generations. You shouldn't be feeling shame. You should be feeling this people aren't going to come back or I don't care you understand first Peter 5 9 oh by the way let me say stop please don't get isolated in fact you know in first John it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light I don't have the exact scripture you look it up if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and then, this scripture always blows my mind, and the blood of Jesus will cover you from all your sin. Huh? Somebody. Call Colton if you're a man. He'll tell you, hey, call this guy. Man, I'm bombing it. I'm blowing it. I need help. We're not going to front you out. We're not going to post it on Facebook. In fact, in this entire time I've been pastoring, I've never called somebody out publicly from the pulpit, like by name, or sent somebody out to Satan like Paul did. Now, if you're having weird incest stuff, we're going to have a problem, and I won't be afraid to do it. If somebody ca- is cancerous or toxic or teaching crazy doctrine, I don't want to. It's not going to be the wrath of man. It's going to be God's wrath flowing through me. <laughs> sorry, I know I'm intense, but you know what? I'm sorry, but not sorry, okay? Sorry, not sorry. I don't know what else to say. I love y'all. Look at this, 1 Peter 5, 9. Oh, you're going to like this. And I'm, and I'm almost, in fact, worship team, come on up. We're going we're gonna to leave our stuff, we're going to leave our junk here. But like that box, tissue box, I want you to leave it here. You already know what some of y'all need to leave. You can do it. You're not alone. Now, I'm going to show you this. You're going to really like this. Stay dialed in with me for a few more minutes. Yeah, we're going to take a divisive stand against him. Who? The devil, your adversary. Take a device, decisive stand. Make a decision today. Decisive means I've made a decision. And I'm not turning back. And even if he trips me up for a moment, I'm going to get back up. If a righteous man falls seven times and I'm made righteous because of the cross, I have gotten up so many times as a Christian. Pick yourself up and stop going back to the pig trough. 
No more vomit. No more slop. Y'all know, some of you know what I'm talking about. Take a divisive stance against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. You know what vigorous means? And full of You're not a subculture. The world doesn't define you. You're not sheep to the world. You're sheep to Jesus. Jesus. 